Kiora, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to the show. Um, without too much further ado, we're rolling our next interview in this Jazz Festival special on B-Side Stories, Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Um, I'm so thrilled to be introducing to you Eilish Wilson, um, a saxophonist, uh, a writer, a performer. Uh, you'll hear more uh, in our conversation that we had earlier today. Enjoy. Eilish, welcome to B-Side Stories. How are you today? <laughs> I'm really good. I'm really great. I'm excited because we're doing a jazz special today on B-Side Stories. Um, normally we do interviews with people all over Wellington doing all sorts of things, but today we're dedicated just to the jazz festival because it kicks off tomorrow. Yeah. Um, how long have you been participating in the jazz festival? Um, I've been participating in the jazz festival probably since I moved here, really, because I, I came up here to study at um, the jazz school, the School of Music. Um, I wasn't doing heaps in the first one that I was here for, but the first one I was here for would be 2012. So, yeah, like six years, which is pretty exciting. Six years is amazing. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So would, would you have seen it kind of change and develop over the years? Yeah, I d- definitely. I mean, like, it's, it's crazy how many gigs there are now. I can't remember what there were, like, just the around town gigs kind of when first when I was first involved with it but now there's like I think there's like over 125 I know they advertise it as like 100 gigs in five days but there's definitely yeah I'd say at least 125 going which is pretty crazy that it it's such a it's an almost unfathomable unfathomable number really because I can't picture 125 anything's happening at the same time um yeah totally <laughs> I mean it's 25 gigs a day which is insane in one city how how do you think it works? How, why do you think the jazz festival is a success here? Um, well, I think I think the model that they've got for it, like it's modelled off a lot of the sort of like American festivals, with how they have the headline acts at the opera house. So you know, one each night and then two on Sunday, and those are sort of big, you know, ticketed um, events. And then having like all the kind of like all the bars in town basically um, have the opportunity to be involved with it, which you know, it's just amazing to me every year that you can put on a gig or go to a gig and every single gig is packed. Like, it's like one in the morning and there's a jam session and it's packed. Like, it's so cool. And I think, unfortunately, the thing is for the musicians in Wellington is that we all know that this, you know, amount of music, it doesn't happen on this level um, all through the year. We don't have, like, 25 gigs a day. But there is a lot of, like, stuff through the year as well. Um, that sometimes is not as as well attended as the jazz festival, but I think that's just the way with every festival. Like you know, with the theatre stuff, with fringe festival seems seems like that too. People are kind of more involved when it's a festival thing. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. There's like this big push, and everyone comes to the city for five nonstop days. Yeah, totally. And I think that they were saying last year to me that there's lots of out of towners that come for it because obviously we've got some pretty pretty big names here for those headlines shows so it does draw like a lot of people from around the country and overseas as well. Can you tell me a little bit about your jazz journey where did you start (laughs) how did it happen from wherever you want? (laughs) 
Cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I love the concept of a jazz journey. It sounds real epic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I started playing saxophone when I was 11, and then <clears throat> when I was 13, I, I joined my school jazz band, and we started going to a festival down south, because I'm from Nelson, um, called Southern Jam. And it was that festival when I started was um, run by the, the Air Force Band. Um, they would come down and do workshops and judge the competition and stuff. And then it, it got handed over to um, Roger Fox and, like, the, the people up at NZSM. So there were a lot of, like, honours students and math students who came down with him to do that. Um, it's cool because I, I get to work with a lot of those people now in Wellington, which is pretty pretty awesome. It's like childhood dream kind of vibes. But, yeah, and then I, I moved, when I left school, I moved up to Wellington to study at J School. Um, and that's, yeah, it's all just sort of snowballed from there. <laughs> Just met lots of cool, cool musicians and made friends with a bunch of musicians. And now, you know, like they're some of the closest friends I have ever connected with because we all have this like drive to just make music as as well as we can, you know. Um, and everyone, yeah, it's really we're not just people. People I know, the musicians I know, it's not just jazz that people are into, you know. It's actually I think jazz is quite broad for people. It doesn't just stop at like. 1920s swing, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of a brief nutshell of my jazz journey, <laughs> if you will. Oh, that's so nice. 11 till how old are you now? I'm 24. That's that's a hefty chunk of your life, playing saxophone and performing. Um, do you also delve a little bit into writing or are you more inspired by what's produced around you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's certainly something that I... Um, have more recently been very keen to get into. There's a really, really great um, program on at the moment that be a good plug for that, actually, called the Arthur Street Loft Orchestras. And that's a thing run by um, Jake Baxendale, who's a really prominent musician about town who does a lot of stuff for the, the jazz community. He's another sapphire. Um, and he set that up so that people, um, a lot of young composers are writing music for... Um, large ensembles, large jazz ensembles. So there's big bands and there's like 10-piece um, groups and things like that. Um, and so that, to me, has been like a very inspirational thing, making me want to start writing my own my own stuff. But, yeah, I haven't done much of it, but I sort of have a goal for, for next year to try and get a set of music together for the next year's festival. But we'll see. Hopefully I can stick to that deadline. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. It's quite useful to have a deadline, probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially in the arts, I think it's hard because you're so like it's such self motivation all the time. So, yeah, if I set a deadline, it's like okay, <laughs> get the stuff done. Can you talk to me more a little bit about what you're saying about how all of the friends around you who are in the jazz community are all driven to make music and and perform lots? Is that a really like what kind of community does that create? What kind of atmosphere is it? Um, I think it's a very strong community uh, in, in Wellington. And, like, I think we're really lucky. It's, I, I would say it's largely due to the, the music schools in Wellington that, you know, all these people are drawn to Wellington in the first place. But, um, yeah, there's a real nice sense of, like, everyone kind of looks out for each other, like, even in terms of, like, dealing with um, paid gigs and things at bars and making sure that no one's undercutting and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's this general good sense of community that is like, yeah, every, everyone just wants the scene to, 
to thrive. And so um, people really help each other out, which I really like. Like I've not felt that kind of community in other aspects of life before. But I think music is like one thing that really, like I've never met someone who's like, oh, I don't like music. Like you can like different kinds of music. That's cool. But, you know, music really, I, I think is a real um, emotional tool of bringing people together. So I think it's, um, yeah, the community is really strong because it's something that everyone can connect to emotionally. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's just a ramble. But. It's cool to and hear what it can be like um, from the inside because as a, I guess, a, a watcher or a, um, an audience member of jazz, it's, it's hard to know if like everyone knows each other and are mates or if they just kind of converge on Wellington for a week and then disperse again to their separate yeah. studios. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, like, even with the people coming up from Christchurch, Auckland and um, other parts of New Zealand to, to come and play and do gigs in the festival, pretty much everyone at least has um, heard of those people or met them and, and made connections with them because a lot of the time um, some of those smaller jazz festivals around New Zealand, like the, the Nelson Jazz Festival even or um, Waiheke Festival, Tauranga Festival, like... Um, yeah, people from all around New Zealand get to go and, and play at those. So, yeah, I met a bunch of the Auckland, um, like there's a band called Sal Valentine and the, and the Baby Shakes, and they're full of like Auckland music school graduates who are like some of them, oh, they're just, yeah, incredible players, um, incredible musicians. And that was, yeah, I met a bunch of them at the Tauranga Festival. So it's cool because I think with music in New Zealand and probably everywhere, I imagine it's like everyone does travel a lot. So, when you're in, in that sort of community, it's, yeah, it's not just, like, stuck in Wellington, which is cool. Although I would say, like, yeah, the Wellington crew are pretty, pretty close because we all spend a lot of time together <laughs> in and out of music. So that's cool. Fun. It must be nice knowing that you've got, um, that there'll always be, like, a great gig to watch and maybe somewhere to crash if you end up in another part of New Zealand. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. so nice. Really cool. What kind of um, influence do you think a jazz culture made up of music school graduates, um, what kind of influence might that have on the culture of jazz in New Zealand or at least in Wellington, um, that you all come out of this like kind of serious or maybe not serious like academic background? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that um, I think a lot about um, because, I mean, I mean, when jazz was like in its beginnings, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily this academic institutionalized thing. Like it's quite an interesting thing, I think, for any art form to be put into a university or an institution of some form. Because um, it's it's not really like, I mean, we have these artists come out from America and um, these, you know, reasonably famous like living jazz musicians who come out and they've done a lot of stuff and, and most of them didn't go to a music school at all. Um, and so that's really interesting. But now, obviously, they teach at music schools over there, and they're great teachers and stuff. Um, I think, I think it's cool because basically, going to that that school buys you three or four years of time to really get into your instrument and have a space where you can do it, like a practice space. And also, you're surrounded by people pretty much your age who are wanting to do the same thing. So you know, it's that healthy competition in a way, like everyone's sort of pushing each other up, which is cool. Um, but yeah, there's, there's certainly some things about 
institutionalized version of of playing jazz that I'm I'm trying to shake out a little bit. I mean, I want to take a lot of what I was taught there on board, definitely, because you know it's all it's all really great information that you get given. But I think in terms of like performing and and trying to um, learn how you work as a person, you know, it's, it's just like high schools as well, like everyone learns so differently so sometimes some of those things just don't click in the same way um, at an institution as they do then when you get out on the bandstand I think like that's the most important thing is to get all that knowledge and then try and just go and play I think there's a really great quote by um, Charlie Parker that's like learn all the rules and then forget them or something like that I mean it's it's more musical than that I can't actually remember what the quote is but (laughs) it's like um, yeah learn all the notes or something and then just play. That's something so nice. I should probably have looked that up before we did this interview, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. There's something similar that I've heard about. Um, you have to le- have learned all of the rules before you can break them. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, that and sounds like, yeah, great. The institution's totally like cool for that because the tutors up there have a lot of knowledge on, on, those, on those rules. <laughs> I call them rules, I guess. Are most of the teachers at the music school are they performers or are they um, are they teachers? Would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, I think most of them do quite a lot of performing. I know um, certainly when I went through. Oh yeah, I've got the quote now. It's um, learn the changes, then forget them. So yeah, there we go. We can put that on the record. Um, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, um, when I went yeah when I went through the J school, I finished in two thousand fifteen. Um, I had tutors like a, a lot of them are still there, but I'm not actually sure entirely who who had left and who hasn't. But um, yeah, like Roger Roger Fox is playing heaps, and I had people like Rick Cranston, John Ray, um, good friend of mine uh, Dan Hales is teaching up there now. A really good trumpet player Mike Taylor, um, my sax teacher for for the years that I was there, um, Colin Hemmingson. He's not playing as much now, but he did do a huge amount of playing around. Wellington and around New Zealand and he studied in the States and yeah the cool thing is that they are all um, all the ones that I had were fantastic teachers but um, they can also play so I I think that's important you know it's actually really hard I think to come across um, someone who can really play the instrument who can't teach I think that's quite rare I think um, a lot of the time yeah if you can play really well you can you can pretty much teach pretty well but yeah I mean it's up to it's, it's sort of case by case. Eh? I mean, there are some amazing players who would have been terrible teachers. Like, point in, uh, case in point would be, like, if you think about all the <laughs> historical um, sort of genius musicians like Charlie Parker and stuff, they're all kind of heroin addicts. So I don't know that they would have made the best teachers, but you never know. They might have just been really good. Uh, funny. On that. Maybe yeah, really good at the life lessons. <laughs> yeah, life lessons, yep. <laughs> It's a very interesting history. It's not like that's why it's so it's so juxtaposed when you think about it in an institution because it is like this very coloured history of like yeah drug addiction and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Rock and roll. Is that um is that kind of a, a hard thing to contend with? That on the one hand, this is what you want to make your life out of, probably like at least a, a career for some time. Um, and it, it feels like maybe the only way people have made it work is by staying up till every hour on God knows what. 
Yeah. Um, uh, I think because of yeah because of the awareness and stuff now and like how how people are living now and you see these incredible players um, who are not you know they're they're doing their thing and they're um, making some amazing music and they're not drug addicts. Uh, it's it's more common now. I don't know. It's just yeah, of the times, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's not something that has crossed my mind. It's like, ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna get into that real kind of like historic thing of doing that. But I think there are a lot of people who um, just want it so bad that they can mentalize doing those hours of practice without having to be on any kind of substance for that. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I feel like we could probably talk about that that whole side of the jazz world forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've got a couple more minutes, and I really wanted to ask you about um, something in particular that you're doing this jazz festival, which is participating in a panel about women in jazz. Can you give us a little brief? Like, what's the firstly, what's the point in having a panel like that at all um, in a in an otherwise performance space? Um, and what's the plan? Cool. So um, the plan is we're going to have a panel on Friday at 5.30 at the Tuatara Third Eye on Arthur Street. Um, so anyone is welcome to come. I'm pretty sure it's free and open to anyone. Um, the panel is made up of myself, um, my good friend Lauren Ellis, who's a drummer, um, and uh, another good friend of mine, Dave Wilson, um, who's a, a sax, sax player around town. He's a um, musicologist up at the NZSM as well. Um, Alicia Ward, who's a um, she's she's from Auckland. She's a PhD jazz jazz researcher, I guess. I mean, that's probably a terrible title. I'm sure she would correct me on that. But, but yeah, in a nutshell, um, Nick Tipping, who's a um, bass player. He he has a show on Radio New Zealand. He's been he was the head of jazz school and he's done heaps of stuff around. Um, in the music scene. So I think, yeah, that's the whole panel. Um, and basically, it's going to be sort of like an interview set up um, between us where we just sort of go through interesting topics um, about, yeah, the women in jazz conversation, which is a huge conversation, I think, that's happening in the world at the moment, you know, um, in in most industries, not just the, in, in the music industry, but... Um, you know, with the whole Me Too movement and all that sort of stuff. And the point of the panel being in the festival is because, well, you know, it makes sense for it to be in the festival because we've got a lot of people around thinking about jazz and thinking about um, music and music scenes. And um, there'll be a lot of noticeable times, I think, if if you're this way inclined of, of thought that uh, when you're at a gig, you'll see, yeah, there's a lot of um, all-male bands. There's very few female um, instrumentalist, especially in those headline acts, um, Christian Palado is coming out. She's a, an amazing singer. She's on the Friday night. But other than that, I'm not aware of any um, female instrumentalists who are coming out to play in any of the other headlining bands. Um, stuff like that is kind of interesting to just be like, well, why is this? Why is it so um, male dominated? And basically, the point of the panel is not to we're, we're not interested in, in sitting there and saying all these things about like. Oh, well, you know, this man did this and this, and you know, we we hate we hate men. It's more about, okay, well, this is interesting, and what can we do as a community to build young female players um, into and and helping everyone feel like it's an inclusive space and not a boys' club, basically. Um, which is interesting because it's not necessarily something that I've felt. 
Um, and I know Lauren feels the same. She's not felt that so much. But there are instances where, yeah, particularly audi- audience members more than your peers, actually. Like, our peers, I think, are incredible. Um, and tutors and stuff. But, yeah, sometimes audience members say certain things that you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> you probably wouldn't say that to a male performer. Um, so, you know, just just kind of to go through and, and talk about that stuff. I guess also it's just the whole, like, checking checking your privilege thing. Like, we can't speak on every woman in the world because really we're, we're pretty privileged um, in our position, like pretty pretty well-off country and, um, you know, race is not an issue for us and all that sort of stuff. So we're not speaking on behalf of everyone, but we're just going to try and delve into conversation about um, what we can do to, to even out the balance a little bit, <laughs> if possible. Oh, that sounds so fascinating. <laughs> Um, I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely be there. I hope everyone listening comes along because yeah. Yeah. there's probably so much to talk about. You won't get through everything, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah, it will be like that. I mean, it's I'm, I'm excited about it because the people on the panel are definitely like everyone is so open-minded and no one is like set in their ways. Oh, actually, I should say Lana Law is going to be on that panel as well. I just momentarily forgot. Um, she's a baritone player from Christchurch and she runs... Um, she's one of the, the main founders of the all-girl big band down there, so we're going to discuss with her um, the concept of that and what that does in the music industry and, and you know, the meaning of that and all that sort of stuff. That's yeah. so cool. Chopped off my head there. Yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. I love that topic. I could get into that for ages. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, maybe next time we have you on the show we can talk about just that. <laughs> awesome yeah I'm keen I mean we could do a debrief from the festival if you like <laughs> brilliant that's a great idea um, cool um, I didn't even give you a chance to talk about where you'll be playing and what the festival looks like for you um, do you want to give a quick plug to any of your shows yeah I'd love to um, okay so I've got um, a couple of duo gigs happening at Fox Love on Wednesday night at 5.30 and Saturday night at about 5 Um other than that, uh, Thursday night I'll be playing at the Opera House with the Roger Fox Big Band. We are um, backing uh, Lydia Pence, who is the singer from Cold Blood, a band called Cold Blood, and Robin Ford, a fantastic like guitarist, uh, and he played with Miles Davis. Pretty crazy playing with him, actually. Um, he's the one we're on tour with in Dunedin at the moment. And then after that, 10.30 on Thursday night at Hashigozaki with a band called The Vanguards. Um, Friday night we have the panel, so come along for that. Uh, and Saturday night I'll be playing at the um, Amy Winehouse tribute, Back to Black at Meow, although I think that might be sold out now. Um, and then the Wellington Mingus Ensemble on Saturday night at the Southern Cross at 10.30. That will be fun. And then Sunday um, I've got another gig with the Fox Band at uh, the Opera House, backing Mitch Marsden and Helen Medlin at 3 o'clock. And then in the evening we're running... My band with my uh, my good friend Alexander Bolton, he's written some really cool tunes, and um, my other two good friends, Olivia Campion, really good drummer, and George McLaren, really good organ player, um, called It's Uptown, so that's 8 o'clock on Sunday at the Third Eye, and I'm really excited about all of it. <laughs> oh my, wow. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know, so I was cool. trying to like speed run through that. <laughs> Felt like a TV presenter. <laughs> no, you did a great job. I'm sure people have pulled Thank over you. to the side of the road and furiously scribbling down when they yeah, can catch I hope you. So. <laughs> awesome. 
Thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, have a great Anytime. festival. Stay hydrated. Thank you. I will. I've got some Baraka. Brilliant. It's going to be good. And I'll see you at the panel. Yes. Oh, you definitely will. Oh, yeah. It's already gone. Oh, good night, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the Jazz Festival special on Wellington Access Radio with B-Side Stories. My name is Sapir. My name's Laura. Kia good night. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.